Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. All right. I'm excited because I was heavily behind this man becoming uh, the senator from South Carolina. Unfortunately, not enough people voted to uh, put him in that seat. That would have uh, upended Lindsey Graham, who is, to me, a total disaster. And I shouldn't introduce him by saying that, but I just feel very strongly about it because we need good people. And this man is, a good, is good people. He's now the chair of the DNC. Let me welcome back to the show Mr. Jamie Harrison. Hello. Hello, Karen. How are you, my sister? I'm I'm disturbed and good at the same time. I'm personally good. I'm not happy with the way the the state of the world. I'm not happy with yeah. where we are as a nation. Um, and I feel nervous about 2022. I yep. feel like uh, folks that have sat in your seat didn't understand what was coming. No, no matter what. And I sit here every day talking to people all over the country, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? So I'm going to ask you, 2022, uh, to me, is pivotal. We have not only the voting uh, rights uh, being suppressed all over the country, and particularly places in the South. We also have, uh, you know, probably folks, you know, with fatigue coming into this midterm. And we also have a lot of gerrymandering and a lot of propaganda going around, especially in this pandemic. What are you doing to ensure that these midterm elections um, that – the Democrats hold, and I'm again, I'm not a partisan person, but no, right no. now is strategy. The Democrats yeah. hold con- hold Congress, hold the Senate, and hold the House of Representatives. What what strategy do you have? Well, well, Karen, when I when I came into the job of uh, the DNC chair, the first thing I knew I had to do was make an assessment. Where where were we as a party in terms of the infrastructure and, and the foundation, and what were the holes that needed to be filled? What were the foundations that needed to be built? And so the first thing that I knew that I had to do was I look back, when did we do really well? And I remember when Governor Dean was the chair of the DNC and he started the 50 state strategy and we won the House, we won the Senate, we won the White House. We even got to the point where we had 60 seats in the United States Senate. And I figured that's what we need to do. We got to go back to having a 50 state strategy where we build a strong foundation in every state at every state party, because you can't win races uh, if your state party is in shambles. You know, when I came on, we had one or two state parties who could barely pay the health care for their workers. How can you how can you expect somebody to win a race when you can't do the basic basic fundamentals for the people who work for you? Um, and, and so, you know, my first step was let's strengthen the state party organizations. Let's go back to our 50 state strategy. And so for the first few months, that's what I concentrated my energy and effort on to building that up, to making it stronger. So now we are putting more money in our state parties than we have ever done before. Um, some of our states, the red states get $15,000 a month. I've even created a red state fund which is where we put a few million dollars in, into this pot where states, where Republicans have controlled for the, you know, the last few years and they control the state house, the state Senate, got more congressional members. We decided that we wanna compete everywhere. And we're tired of Republicans taking some of these, uh, these communities for granted, like South Carolina. So, but these states need a little more money. They need a little more resources to put boots on the ground to do the outreach that needs to happen. So we created this red state fund to do that. I awarded the first grant out of that red state fund last week to my home state of South Carolina. 
$100,000 to go towards voter registration. Uh, and that's just going to be the initial take, but we're going to do much more. So that's the that was the, the first level of what we did. I then announced, Karen, and that was about $25 million going into our is state that, parties. Is that, is, that, is that your total budget? What, what is no. the total budget for the DNC? So the DNC this year will probably raise, um, uh, for, for the cycle, say $100, $140 million. Okay, $140 million. And what percentage of that is targeting this, this midterm that's coming up 2022? Well, almost all of it. We're, I mean, okay. we're, we, we're going to spend it. Okay. Um, well, all and right. So, it, so let, me ask, let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I want you to break it down. Yeah. You, you ran for the Senate seat in South Carolina. Yeah. Why did you want to be DNC chair? Well, part of what I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be DNC chair before I wanted to be United States Senator. You remember, I ran for DNC chair uh, um, in 20, after Hillary lost in 2016, I ran against Keith Ellison oh, and Tom Perez. Okay. And, okay. I did uh, not Pete remember because I was, I was totally behind Keith Ellison at that point. I knew Tom Perez was going to yep. be a disaster. Yep. I said it out my mouth. I said it, I said it on these airwaves. All right, Jamie, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> well, well it, so I ran for DNC chair then, you know, because I've been a state party chair. Uh, in a red state. So I knew the, the, and I had seen Howard Dean do so well as chairman, and he did well because he invested in state parties. And it didn't matter whether you were a red state, a blue state, or a purple state. You had resources to be able to compete, to put people on the ground, to do it all year round. And so that's the type of thing I want to replicate. And so, you know, my grandma told me once after the election, and I was disappointed and I was in my, you know, in my feelings. And she said, Jamie, you know, uh, when when one door closes, the Lord opens another. And sometimes it is a door you were supposed to walk through in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so and, and I think she's right, because I walk into this chairmanship with a perspective probably different than any recent chair of the DNC. I've worked on Capitol Hill as a staffer. I've, I've been a state party chair in a red state. I ran for the United States Senate as a candidate, and now I'm in the, in the chairman seat, and I can see the world in those perspectives, a candidate, a staffer, and also as a state party leader. And so uh, we are working systematically. So I have already announced almost $70 million uh, that we are going to put on the ground in our state parties and for voter registration, voter protection efforts. We are, Karen, building the biggest voter protection effort that we've ever had at the DNC in the history of the DNC. I'm hiring people right now so that they are on the ground in these states to learn what these nefarious laws are and to make sure that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen legislatively on the federal level. But as my grandma also said, you can control what you can control. I, I wish I had a vote in the Senate. If I did, we'd get rid of filibuster then, but I don't. So, but what I can control is making sure that the operations at the DNC is prepared so that people on the ground are educated about these, uh, these rules that are set up to keep them from voting, that we, are, uh, we reach out to them and we do it now instead of waiting until two months before the election, that we mobilize them and that we protect them once they get to the polls and we protect their ballots once they are cast. And that's going to be really, really, really important. And you can't wait until next year to do that. You got to put the money on the ground now to get the lawyers in place right now to begin to build the operation to make that happen. And that's what we're doing at the DNC right now.
Now, a lot of um, a lot of attention went to Stacey Abrams uh, yeah. after Joe Biden was elected and uh, Warnock and Ossoff won uh, Georgia. But Stacey wasn't the only person out there. But um, her her voting rights, public integrity, her her new Georgia project uh, to register Georgians. And and now she's taken that out beyond uh, with fair fight. How much of are you working with her? Because she clearly yeah. knows some things. <laughs> so our our um, Raina Walters Morgan leads up voter protection along with uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. So the uh, uh, President Biden, when he asked me to be the chair, he asked Keisha Lance Bottoms, uh, the mayor of Atlanta, to be the vice chair over voter protection and education efforts. Uh, and so she works with Raina on our team, who's also a sister from North Carolina. And they lead up our voter protection effort. And again, we're pouring millions of dollars into that. And Raina coordinates with, uh, you know, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, all within the legal parameters that we can with uh, Fair Fight and those groups to make sure that we have uh, the appropriate level of voter protection uh, across this country. And so we're hiring folks right now. Uh, I think in the last election, there were 33 states that had voter protection directors. My goal is to get to 50, to make sure every state we have people who are on the ground early enough to build out the operations that are so necessary to protect the right to vote for, for everybody. But Stacy is, I mean, she's a force of nature and uh, I, we should all be so, so, so happy to live in her world. <laughs> um, I mean, but you know, as I watch her, it's just, again, somebody that sees a need and yep. rolls up her sleeves. She's not gregarious. She's not loquacious. She's not somebody that's outrageous. She just methodically sees the need, exactly rolls right. up her sleeves the way Cliff uh, Albright and Latasha Brown from Black yep. Voters Matter, which leads me to, are they also getting some of this $140 Because they also are out there doing all well, of they, the they, they They are. Now, we are not sure yet in terms of the money that we are allocating. Uh, in the $25 million that I just announced with the Vice President Ed Howard, uh, we are going to uh, send some of that money to some grassroots organi organizations that are doing work on the ground. And so we're building out the parameters for what that is, because you got to understand that there are some legal ramifications for, for groups getting dollars from us. We're a political organization. Some of them are C3s and C4s. Mm -hmm. right. And there's certain things that we can and we can't do. So uh, we're building out with the lawyers to figure out mechanisms to make sure that we are putting resources on the ground uh, so organizations that are doing good work in this space uh, that we can help out as much as possible. But some of this money is also flowing into our state parties as well, uh, that then we'll be able to allocate resources to organizations within their states. Because, you know, just as you studied Howard Dean, you know, these are different times, too. Um, Howard yeah. Dean wasn't up against the kind of divisiveness that we have and the outright uh, blatant obstruction of, of voting rights. He didn't have this the same level of nastiness that you're you're experiencing uh and that you're gonna have to tackle which leads me to the other thing you know when i brought up B black voters matter because it's been the the and this is my problem with tom perez this notion that we got to find those voters that would have voted for trump and try to woo them when you have the numbers georgia showed you you had the numbers we have the numbers you know the latest census tells you you have the numbers why waste time and money trying to convince folk who would storm a Capitol and who still are, you know, holding on to Trump one or won't wear a mask 
when we have people who aren't voting, who aren't registered, when you have the numbers in, in even these red states, you just need to energize those folks to come out. Well, I feel Karen, like we that's... should double down on that. Well, that's why for the first time in almost 30 years, the DNC is going to get involved in voter registration. You know, what has happened in the past when the McCain-Feingold uh, McCain bill passed, which sort of separated out federal money and state money or hard and soft money, whichever one you want to use, um, the DNC as a national organization got out of the business of doing voter registration. And that fell to C3s and C4s because they could use a different type of money for, for that type of organ, organizing and happenings. But we can't, you know, it, and I saw this on my race. You know, we had almost 400,000 unregistered black voters in South Carolina. Um, you can't just sit on the sidelines and think, well, somebody's going to get them registered. No, we as a party have to get them registered. Right. That has to be a value that we have as an organization. And so I have taken it. I went to the president and the vice president and said, we got to do voter registration. And so that's why uh, uh, Vice President Harris and I announced uh, that fund that on the campus of Howard, because we're going to do voter registration for the first time in almost 30 years. The DNC is going to do that. And so uh, and that's why I hope we can work with organizations like Rainbow Push and Black, you know, uh, 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 Latasha's group and uh, all of these groups. They're doing good work on the ground um, uh, to, to do some of those efforts because they know how to do it. Uh, we haven't been involved in that space in a long time, but we do have resources. And so uh, we want to figure out how we match those things together. I was yeah. just on with a group of young people who we're also talking about setting up a, a youth table where we invest there are a lot of youth organizations that are doing really, really good work, but they don't have the resources to amplify that work. Well, the you DNC just, can just, be an incubator just, for that too. You were just on the campus of, you know, to me, there's a built-in, there's a built-in cadre of young people that you could access on these HBCU campuses that's across exactly the country. Right. This is, that's to me, cherry picking. If you just make an effort to go there and this has been the so, so frustrating sitting here watching the failure when this is not, you know, this is not rocket science. It's not it's rocket science. People it's not. In, energizing them around the issues that matter to them and getting them out to the polls. I watched uh, Corey Bush and Ayanna Presley and Ilan Omar sleep on the Capitol uh, steps and, and, you know, in solidarity with people who are, are you know, not housed in this country and, and trying to get that moratorium extended on, on rents. And it was effective. It was effective. And we need more people like that in Congress. How, did, how are you navigating this ultra progressive, in the, you know, like, I, again, I hate the labels. Can you get the job done? Are you rolling up your sleeves and getting busy? How are you engaging with people like a Corey Bush, those types of folk who are running all over the country? How do they get some of this DNC money? Well, one, we don't fund candidates. So I want, I want to right, let I folks apologize. know that. Sorry. <laughs> let folks know that. Because, you know, part of the problem we also have, Karen, is people have a lot of perceptions. They believe the DNC does A, B, C, and D, but we only do R, S, T, U, and V, right? And there are other organizations that do the funding of the candidates or do those different things. All right, so so the, for, let's clear it up. What is the role of the DNC? What do you fund? The role of the DNC is really to fund the organization, the, the, the state party organizations and the efforts, the infrastructure and the foundation of the party itself, right? Uh, to, to help facilitate and organize, to be the connective tissue with the DCCC, which 
focuses on congressional candidates and the DSCC, which focuses on Senate candidates and the GGA, which focuses on governors or the DLCC that focuses on the legislature. So we work with them and we build the infrastructure. So the, the database that they all utilize to figure out who's registered, who's not registered, um, the voter protection database that we have, that is what the DNC funds that, that all of these organizations utilize in order to reach out to voters and talk to those voters. But we don't fund on an individual basis because I hear from all the time, well, the DNC didn't fund my candidate. Well, the DNC didn't fund any of your candidates, um, uh, you know, or don't let the DNC give Joe Manchin my money. Well, the DNC ain't going to give Joe Manchin money because he ain't giving me anybody else any money. Right. We that's not what we do as an organization. We work on state parties um, and we work with that organizations, those organizations to do their work. How can we help you do what you do better and also hold you accountable? Well, I think the, the big thing is this, Karen, and what I, I tell folks all the time is, uh, you know, we need you to, to stand up and speak out on all of these issues. Don't be silent. Don't be quiet. Let your elected officials understand what it is that your communities need. Um, that's going to be really, really important because I hear from a lot of folks, well, I wish they would do this and that. And it's like, well, have you called anybody? Have you written a letter? Have you said anything? Did you go to the, uh, the last town hall that they had? No. Well, they can't, they, the, you have to understand in politics, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. If you don't say anything, people are going to think, well, I guess you're all right. Right. I guess things are okay if there's nothing that you are concerned about that you are calling my office about. And so it's important for folks to stand up and let be heard in that process. It's also important that we get people registered to vote. So you got friends and family members in your in your family that aren't registered to vote because it does make a difference. Just take a look at some of the things that have happened over the past uh, things that we were able to pass just in the six months. Take, for instance, the child tax credit. Karen, you know, you and I have talked about how I grew up. I remember this time, probably when I was in fifth grade, my mom had lost her job over the summer. She had found another job. School was starting that Wednesday, but she wasn't going to get her first paycheck to that Saturday. So what did that mean? The new school supplies, the new shoes, that trapper keeper that I want, I could not get for the first days of school. And I remember my mom coming in the room to tell me that. And she said, but baby, on Saturday, as soon as I get my check, we'll go to the store. We'll go to Roses because we have Roses and Kmart. We go to Roses and we'll get the stuff you want. And I was fine. But I went to school that day in my summer shoes and, and you know, sort of nice clothes. They, they weren't dirty or anything, but they weren't brand new. And one kid asked, Jamie, are those your new shoes? And I said, no, you know, my mama uh, said that we won't get them until Saturday. And I was so sad, Karen. I remember going to the bathroom and crying about that. Mm -hmm. I know that there are kids in South Carolina today who live in families who are going through that same thing. But you know the difference that some of these families are going to have? They just got, just on Friday, got that child tax credit, that $300 or the $250. And that's going to make a difference for a lot of these young kids who start in school next week. My kids start uh, tomorrow. And that's going to make a lot of difference in their lives. I can tell people this. Not one Republican voted for that legislation. Not one. There are 535 members of Congress and not one Republican voted for it. That only happened, only happened 
because of Democrats. And so there are real world consequences for it, for what happens when you vote for people and, and how it can impact your family. And so that's what I tell people, make sure you have your voice heard. Now, how you keep me accountable, folks, Listen, the thing that I'm going to work my heart out on, and anybody who knows me knows that I don't do anything, excuse my language, half-ass, because I can't afford to. You know, being a big Black man from South Carolina, uh, when the opportunity comes, you better take advantage of it. And so I'm doing this with all my heart because I understand that I don't want my sons to grow up in a world like my grandparents grew up in. I don't want your sons and daughters to grow up in a world like they grew up in. And so it's incumbent upon all of us to work our hearts out, to do what is necessary to make this the place that we want to raise our children up in. And so voting rights, I'm going to do everything I can on that. I have talked to the president and the vice president until I'm blue in the face about how personal this issue is for so many of us. This isn't just like infrastructure. It's not just like housing or anything. All those things are important, but this is personal because it's a foundational right by which all other rights are built upon. And when that right is taken, everything else falls down. And so they understand that. And I know that they are working hard to make it happen behind the scenes. Sometimes y'all, you ain't gonna see everything out front because some of these conversations happen, you know, late night, people having their drinks and this and that, the, the wheeling and dealing to make it happen. But I can guarantee you folks, conversations are happening. And we're going to do everything that we can to deliver for the American people, from voting rights to health care to jobs to housing in every aspect. We've done some good things thus far. There's still a lot more work to be done. Um, but I can tell you that I'm trying to do everything that I can. Uh, and if you see me sleeping, Karen, you let me know. Oh, you know, I will. But, you know, I was also going to say that the great thing about Jamie Harrison is that when you call him, he comes. He doesn't duck. He's not going to come and feed you a whole bunch of nonsense. He's going to tell like it is if he can't answer something he's gonna say he doesn't know and i like that about you because it's all you know we don't have all the answers but at least no. you you show up you know and you are uh you know quite capable uh last question and and it's it's an unfair question but i just need to understand some things you're from <laughs> south carolina born and bred been there all your life my my daddy went to allen so i i have a little south my grandfather was from somerville spent some summers there i need you to help me understand tim scott I knew you were going there. Make it make I it make sense, Jamie. Because listen, he he could be president, and I think a whole lot of white folks vote be. for. I know, but I think a whole a whole lot of white folks voted for him in South Carolina. And I just I I just needed to make sense. Is it just policies that you know is? I mean, listen, Tim has drank that Kool Aid, and he and he believes everything he says. So I, I want folks to know that he's not being disingenuous. I mean, whatever is coming out of his mouth, he believes it. Uh, to the core of who he is. And so the question is, that, do you subscribe to that? If you don't subscribe to it, I mean, this is, a, this is a guy who just voted against the infrastructure bill. Now, if you live in South Carolina, you know that there are potholes bigger than I am. <laughs> you, you know that, you know, we worry about flooding and all this and that. You know that 35% of rural South Carolina doesn't have any broadband. But our senator, just voted against an infrastructure bill uh, that would have provided uh, services for many of that. And so I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. You know, he's a nice guy when you talk to him. I mean, he's really pleasant and all that, you know, smiling and all that. But in the end of the day, the, the smile and being nice 
ain't uh, fixing my my dirt road. It's not, you know, uh, addressing the fact that we've been in under COVID for almost two years now. And, uh, you know, I'm supposed to educate my kids and I have no access to the Wi-Fi. Right. And so this isn't about being nice. It's being effective and being able to deliver for your constituents. And sad to say, the brother hadn't delivered anything. But they at least not for the people that I know. They, they're going to vote for him again. And he might end up being president because he's, and I've said this, you know, he's all the things that Trump is minus the uh, foul uh, demeanor. He's very pleasant. His mama yes. did a great job of raising him <laughs> in terms of pleasantry. That's, that's the, that's the, that the Bible will tell you about somebody like that. All right. Listen, Jamie Harrison, <laughs> I appreciate you. I, I really, really, I support you immensely. You, I, I want you to be successful and we're going to well, keep talking. Well, and Karen, what I want to do is at least, if not every month, every other month, I want to come on. I've already told my staff to make sure that happens, to reach out to your folks. Uh, but just so that we can stay updated and your people and, you know, maybe take some questions the next time I'm on if, if folks want to uh, chat about what's going on. Because I want to educate people about this process as well, because I feel that there are a lot of people who don't understand how all this works. They think they do, but they don't quite get it all. And, you know, as a former teacher, one of my jobs is all, always to try to make sure that people know and understand and know the questions they ask. I love it. Yes, let's make decisions based on facts and information. Jamie Harrison, much continued success. Thank you so much. Chairman of the DNC, thanks for dropping in today. And you have an open seat. So definitely you'll be back. Thank you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.